You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Overtime continues on 106.7 The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you and joining me now on the BetQL guest line is Stephen Wino of the Associated Press. Their national hockey writer does a great job covering DC sports as well. Uh, and Wino, I want to start uh, just kind of a bigger picture thing. We are now at the end of the regular season going into the playoffs uh, in year one of the post-NBC era. NBC was a great partner for the NHL for a long time. They did a very good job with the coverage. Uh, I've, I've you know, in a society and especially in a sports Twitter that hates everything, it felt like uh, outside of like a couple of select announcers who were almost like beloved villains, that that was a very well-liked, you know, coverage unit. Um, with the ESPN partnership and Turner Sports taking over now and heading into their first playoffs, how do you think that partnership has gone for the NHL in year one? I think there were some hiccups in terms of, of some games being on exclusively ESPN Plus or Hulu that were regularly on regular TV and, and then maybe some older fans or, or folks who, who have regular cable didn't expect that. But I think once you get past that, it's been good. And, and, and Gary Bettman said it ratings are up 15% in the U.S. Uh, year over year on regular TV, way uh, way more than that on streaming platforms. And, and even look at, at ESPN Plus being uh, like a third of the cost of what the NHL TV package used to be. And you get everything that ESPN Plus gets. And that's something the NHL is very proud of. Um, what what means that the biggest plus right now is that every single playoff game is either going to the first round is either on ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, or TBS. In addition to all the streaming and, and the regional networks as well in the first round, so more people are watching hockey than ever before, and that was the goal of this whole thing. Uh, that's I mean can't can't ask for much more than that. Um, is there anything else in terms of like the playoff coverage that you want to see that that you thought was missing during the regular season, or that you think going into year two could could be better for the league and and for really for fans of the sport that that want to consume it uh, for any reason? Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of what TNT's trouble was early on is they didn't have a hot, whole lot of hockey people behind the scenes. So they they know how to put on a TV show and, and they hired a bunch of hockey on air people, but I think it's been a learning curve for for the Turner folks. To kind of get kind of accustomed to that, and I think just finding a rhythm of, of even the studio shows and, and kind of what what they want to be because it's not going to be inside the NBA. It's not going to be the exact that uh, you have a big name in Wayne Gretzky. You've got good talkers and guys like Anson Carter and Paul Bissonnette and and, and ESPN. You've got uh, Brian Boucher and Kevin Weeks and those guys who they have the right on air people. I think I'd like to see a little bit more kind of a connection to the, the sports history for for people who are not new fans. For people who are have kind of been around the sport for a long period of time, that kind of instead of just bringing new people along, that you give something to, to kind of the hardcore audience as well. And, and what better time to do that than the playoffs? Stephen Wino, Associated Press, with us here on 106.7 The Fan. Of course, all eyes in D.C. Uh, will be on Game One Tuesday night, tomorrow night uh, on ESPN Two, Washington and Florida. So. 
this Panthers team, uh, they're a bit of a behemoth. Uh, what what made them so good during this year, and what kind of challenge in general? Like, how would you characterize this fight uh, between Washington and, and Florida? Well, the Panthers score a million goals, and and, and that's what makes them a challenge. Uh, almost four goals a game, over four goals a game in the regular season, uh, which is in, in a league where the average is six plus goals a game per game for for, for two teams is ridiculous. And and this is a team that is three lines deep with offense. They have good goaltending. Uh, it, 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 this is and got better at the trade deadline, adding a guy in Kojiru who played in Philadelphia against the Capitals for many years. Uh, a guy in Benjamin Sherrod on defense, where it's kind of bulking up what the, the Panthers' biggest weakness was. Uh, and and it, it, it's a significant challenge. I mean, look at the betting odds right now. The Capitals are major underdogs in the series, and, and it'll probably take uh, a lot of things going right for the Capitals in net specifically and without Zvezkin uh, to, to put a real scare into the Panthers and, and try to win the series. Um, the Cavs were on a great run towards the end of the regular season. I was filling in for Reese on 980. I had Ben Raby on. I asked him how you know they were playing or what was going so right, yada, yada. And then they didn't win again. So I just would like to apologize to all the Capitals fans, but also, yikes. They close on that, that four-game skid to close the regular season. What went wrong for them there, and how much of that is just kind of resting up for the playoffs they had clinched, and, and do you feel confident that they can at least play their best even, you know, and then obviously we see if that's good enough to compete with, with this Panthers team that you just described. Uh, yeah, not the end of the season the Capitals want to run it, but look, Alex Ovechkin, when he slammed shoulder first, left shoulder first into the, into the boards uh, late in that Toronto game, I think it took a, a lot of the wind out of the Capitals' sails. They scored two goals immediately after that and then give up goals and then all of a sudden you lose that game in a shootout and and, and it just fell flat against the Islanders uh, a game that's pretty inexplicable to see just how poorly they played in that game at home against a team out of contention and then to do it again lay an egg on Long Island against that same team a couple nights later it's kind of deflating to see that from a team with something to play for but it wasn't like they were playing to get into the playoffs they were playing for seeding uh, and, and it just judging from, from talking to these guys for the last three days, they don't feel like they're overmatched against the Florida Panthers. Alex Ovechkin is, is back. He's going to play in game one. Even if he's not 100%, uh, this is a series the Capitals think they can win. Yes, of course, they're, they're, they're big underdogs. You look at the betting line, just being a present trophy winner against the NC in the East. They are underdogs, but I don't want to take too much out of those last three games or three and a half games of the regular season because this has been such a roller coaster season for this team. They've been up and down and up and down. A couple games in the series talked to me if that trend continues, but I wouldn't be too worried about a stretch at the end of a very long and two-game season. Yeah, definitely. Ovechkin uh, officially listed his day-to-day, but he was on the ice uh, Saturday for practice and uh, continues to be on track to play. The question is, like, what kind of Alex Ovechkin do you get? One, what's the injury concern of, of is he going to be limited? And two, um, do you think with, you know, he's he had enough this season and is, has enough time here practicing that he'll have the, you know, his wind basically to be able to play a full complement of minutes? Yeah, I think he'll be able to play just fine. And and, and this is I, I and, and this is the kind of, of thing that Alex Ovechkin has done throughout his whole career. He's only missed 27 games in the entire 17 years in the NHL for injury, uh, and none of those in the playoffs. He was we, we watched him in practice the last couple of days. He's gripping those one-timers from the face-off circle, all of that he does on the power play. Looks fine. Uh, there's, there's no conditioning issue here. He's skating okay. Uh, I don't know if, if there's some sort of a uh, range of motion issue. It's not like he's got a pitch of baseball. Uh, I think he, the torque that, that, that he has on that shot comes a lot from his, his right shoulder. Uh, I, I think there, there might be a little bit of limit in, in the, the big checks or the big hits he, he likes to dish out. There may be a few, few fewer of those, 
But no, I, I don't think you'd be too worried about Alex Ovechkin and, and how much ice time he can play and, and the impact he can have in this series. Because last year against Boston, five games, playing with a groin injury, playing with a bad back, still had four, point, four points in that series. And, and this is kind of when he gears up to play and, and why, he, why he does play. it. And, and so I'm, I'm not really concerned about him being limited because even Alex Ovechkin at, at 75, 80, 85% is better than most of the players in the NHL. Yeah, which is crazy still at his age, but here we go. Uh, another playoff run for him. Uh, of course, the biggest question for the Caps is seemingly for the last three years, always the biggest question for the Caps. What are they going to do in net? Like, do you have any idea what the plan is, what the plan is to start, what the plan is long term? What do you think they do in net? Well, I think you're going to see both goalies. And, and, and that's here's the thing. if you see one goalie, it's a good thing. If, 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 and I'm expecting William Stemstone off to start game one. Because I, I, I think he is the guy who gives the Capitals the best chance of stealing a game against the highest scoring team in hockey. And, and, and then if he blows up and, and, and gets lit up, then Vitek Vanacek starts game two. I, and, and, and maybe, maybe we see good Sam Sonov and he starts game two and, and kind of gets on a roll. And even if he loses, loses the game here or there, that, that Pierre Laviolette fits with him. Uh, I do think, though, that, that, that the plan for, for Pierre Laviolette and going for Coach Stamos was to use both of these guys at some point in this series, at some point in, in the playoffs as long as the Capitals are in it. Because they've done this all season, and no, none, neither of these guys has become the clear-cut starter. Uh, you can question all you want, kind of running it back with, with these two guys after what happened last year and not having a third option and not getting a, a guy at the deadline. But this is where the Capitals are at right now. Zach O'Calley is called up from Hershey as a third option. If, 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 things, if these guys don't struggle, yeah, we could probably see Zach McCallie at some point in the series. But I don't think the Capitals want to go to that well. Yeah, uh, they obviously don't want to have to go to that well. Again, game one tomorrow night, 7.30 on ESPN2. Uh, what's your favorite series outside of uh, Washington, Florida? What's if, if you got to just pick one that you get to watch all four to seven games, you, you, you have to pick this one over all the others. What's the most intriguing and interesting story? No doubt for me, it's the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. And, and, and this is, they, these are two offensive teams that like to score a bunch of goals to beat the heck out of each other. And, and, and they're very evenly matched teams, finish the same number of points, like within one or two. Uh, Minnesota's got home ice with Marc-Andre Fleury in net. The Blues coming off winning a Stanley Cup two or three years ago. Uh, this two kind of heavyweight teams, rivals, don't like each other. Carol Kaprizov with Minnesota, kind of not a young Ovechkin in that he can't doesn't score quite like that, but exciting playmaking player, uh, young players in, in St. on St. Louis. So this year's kind of a bruising, kind of heavy team, and now they've got all this skill: Ryan Tarasenko, uh, Jordan Cairo, Ryan O'Reilly, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, that series, it seems like it's going to be six-five every game, going to triple overtime until uh, a game seven. I cannot wait to, to watch that, that series from from now through that seventh game. That one starts in just a bit, nine thirty tonight on ESPN. Kaprizov. Over 100 points on the year, 47 goals, 61 assists. Stephen Wino, uh, anything NHL-related, uh, you can follow him on Twitter and then read him in the Associated Press uh, on the AP's website as well. Uh, it's it's that time of year, man. I'm sure we'll be talking over here over the next couple of weeks. It's always good to chat and uh, enjoy the hockey. I know you will. Enjoy the best time, best sports time of the year, Craig. Talk to you soon. Swino, that's what he is on Twitter, at Swino. Uh, He's on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today. When we get back, Howard Beck is on that same BetQL guest line talking hoops. Uh, we'll follow up that up with a discussion about the Draymond Green injection and, and kind of where we're at uh, on all things NBA rules adjacent, playoffs adjacent, et cetera, 
etc. Still got plenty to go here on Overtime at 106.7 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Overtime on 106.7. The fan, Craig Hoffman, with you tonight. Joining us now on the BetQL guest line, it's Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. Uh, the written word, always great. Podcast is also great. Uh, it's called The Crossover Pod. Make sure you check it out anywhere you can find your podcast. Howard, uh, thanks for coming on, man. I hope you're enjoying the playoffs. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. So, uh, it was funny. I was actually driving yesterday back from my parents' house in South Carolina. Nice long eight-hour drive up 95, which is how everyone wants to spend their Sunday. Um, and I got the the mobile alert that Draymond got ejected. And then I, of course, later wind up actually getting to see the play. And my response, I'm guessing, was the same that most people watching it, which was, he got ejected for that? Like, that was the thing? What did you think when you saw the Draymond Green ejection? And what does that mean about, like, kind of where we are with the rules? Because this one seems to not just be controversial, but, like, really throwing people for a loop about have we gone too far in a certain direction with trying to protect players and affecting the game negatively in other ways? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. You can also add in the other layer of, you know, Draymond get ejected based on just his own rep. And, you know, that does factor into these things. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I was surprised at the time. I was, you know, watching it from home in real time as they did the review. And I thought, yeah, flagrant, sure. I mean, it was a little bit of a dangerous play. Um, but you could see, you know, he, it didn't look like he was trying to yank him down by his jersey. His hand got caught and then he was trying to brace Brandon Clark's fall. And so I thought flagrant one was the likely outcome. And when they went back to look a second time and they went to the flagrant two or before they even announced the flagrant two, Draymond's starting to dance around the court, egging on the crowd. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, he already he already knows what the outcome is. And he's doing that thing where he kind of revels in it and playing the part of the villain and, and taunting the, the road crowd or maybe trying to fire up his teammates, whatever it was. Um, in terms of just like the play itself, I mean – uh, we've all seen far, far worse. They, they, you know, if you want to go letter of the law, um, you know, you know, Kane Fitzgerald, the, the, the lead official, talked about you know the wind up and, and and there was a blow to the face that was again incidental. You know, Draymond certainly was trying to defend the play. It was a basketball play. This wasn't like him, you know, going for the head on intentionally. But any blow to the head these days ends up triggering a flagrant. That's fine. 
I, I, I get that. Um, but flagrant two, I just, I, it seemed like they were just adding it all up. Like, well, there was this, then there was this, then there was this. Then he snagged his jersey. Then he fell hard, and you know, and they just, they just compounded it all and said flagrant two. I don't think any single piece of that warranted a flagrant two and an ejection, especially in a playoff game. In the, in the you know, first half of the game, like, are they already thinking ahead to, you know, we don't want this to escalate? I mean, it's, even that part is a kind of a stretch because, like, the Grizzlies didn't react in real time like, oh, my gosh, you, you just, you know, you, you, this was a dirty play or something. Like, there was no physical emotional reaction from the Grizzlies themselves to, like, go after Draymond or shove him. Like, there was no – this didn't spark anything. So it's not even a situation where you're looking to control – the game and the atmosphere where you're worried about things getting out of hand. So I, to me, it just felt like a, an extreme overreaction. Uh, I don't want to say extreme overreaction, a, an overreaction by the referees. And it'll get reviewed. Every flagrant gets reviewed by the league office. And sometimes things get upgraded, downgraded. Being that it's Draymond, it probably won't get downgraded. But I think the league would be totally justified in downgrading that from a flagrant two to a flagrant one. And that matters partially for the amount of the fine that you pay, but it matters more because, of course, you accrue points for flagrant fouls in the playoffs. And if you, you know, a second flagrant foul in the playoffs now would trigger an automatic uh, suspension, one game suspension for Draymond Green. And, you know, now we're back in, you know, 2016 all over <laughs> again. So, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a concern for the Warriors. I'm sure they'll be lobbying hard to get that thing downgraded. For sure. And so let me ask you this then, and I think this is, there's too many games to do this in a regular season, but if the league can review it and there's one game happening at a time, like what's the person whose job it is to review it during, during, doing during this game that they can't be available. They're talking to, to, to caucus. They're talking to the league office and they have that massive replay center. They're talking to people. They being the game officials, Kane Fitzgerald, et cetera, already. Why can't they make that ruling in the moment? Cause let's say, it does get downgraded and it's fine, I guess, quote unquote, because the Warriors won. But like if I was the Warriors and I lost by a point because in part Draymond Green got ejected on a wrong call, which is what a review and downgrade would suggest, I'd be pretty upset. That's it's a big deal. So why can't they they have that review process in real time? And what is the communication that happens between the on-court officials and Sakakis? So with flagrants and technicals, the crew on the court has complete jurisdiction. So they're on the they're on the headphones. They're watching the replay. Part of the conversation that you're seeing them have with Secaucus isn't asking the officials in Secaucus for guidance. It's asking them to queue up more angles or replay that angle. Like they don't have a, you know a joystick in front of them at courtside. Right. All of the controls for the replays that they're seeing are controlled in Secaucus. So the communication is mostly about. We need to see this. Now, the officials in the replay center uh, could also say, listen, here's something we saw, and you should look at this angle. Or here's like, – there, there could be some discussion, and I'm sure there is, of interpretations. And, you know, what they're trying to do is simply see exactly what happened and then apply the rule as the rule book states. That's it. It's not a matter of, like, you know, trying to, uh, you know, gather every last opinion. The, the three guys on the court – are the three referees on the court are the ones who are supposed to make the decision specifically on flagrants and technicals. Other things, out of bounds, that some of those uh, more technical um, type uh, of calls that, that the replay center might see before the referee has even gotten to the monitor, then Secaucus will just tell them, listen, it was out off this guy. We've already seen it. That's mm -hmm. different. 
Um, so when you ask about why not in real time just make the ruling, it's not the guys in Secaucus who are going to downgrade it from a flagrant two to a flagrant one if that's what happens. It's league officials at Olympic Tower in Manhattan who will take a look today and discuss it amongst themselves, along with Monty McCutcheon, the, the head of officiating, and they'll decide, you know what, uh, on this one, maybe we, we overreached, or maybe the crew on the court overreached. But they leave it to the crew on the court to make the initial call on flagrants and text. Howard Beck, Sports Illustrated, with us here on 106.7 The Fan. As for the game itself, uh, which is, I guess, pretty important, uh, Jordan Poole is fantastic uh, again. And I just, I look at, you know, locally the Wizards and how bad, and I wouldn't say necessarily just bad, because like players like Rui Achimura have been fine. Um, they're they're good players, but you know you always hear like around draft time. Well, ah, they're drafting in in the late lottery or the the early the late teens, the early twenties. You know they, that's just where they've been. They haven't had a, the right draft pick in the right draft to get a franchise changing player. And you look at a guy like Poole, and you go, well. <laughs> The Warriors haven't had a good draft pick in a while, except for I guess last couple year, or last year they they got Kaminga and Moody uh, high up after Steph gets hurt, etc. But you know, a pool is taken in the late twenties. What is it about the Warriors and, and what they're able to do to not only identify talent but develop it in a way that Jordan Poole is all of a sudden an up and coming superstar? Yeah, I mean, look. In fairness, the Warriors have also had their misfires sure. in, in in recent years. Jordan Bell being a, a notable one a few years back. They thought he'd be their their you know center of the future. Um, look, there's the, the draft is more art than science. Um, some of the best teams still misfire. I mean, the Toronto Raptors have drafted fantastically in, in mid to late first round, and you know Fred VanVleet undrafted, and the Raptors have had some pretty bad misfires in the last five years too. So um, no one's perfect at this, and there's a little bit of, of just good fortune involved sometimes. You know, you draft a guy. You see the outline of, of something. You see some potential, especially when you're drafting late. No one's going to have an, one elite skill when, when you're drafting them in the 20s. And then, you know, some teams are better at developing guys than others. And some of it's just, you know, when a guy arrives, you, you've done all the background work possible. You try to get a sense of his personality, his work ethic, his character. You do all this backgrounding work during the draft process, the pre-draft process. And sometimes you think, you know, a guy shows up and turns out the guy you thought had a, had a, a great drive uh is, is actually you know shows up as kind of lazy and then somebody you thought you know we think he's going to work hard but we're not sure comes in and all of a sudden you know becomes your hardest worker or you you just like there's there's all these things like you're drafting these guys at 19 20 21 years old and there's just no telling what their trajectory might be then so you're you're trying to make your best stab at it in terms of we like his body type we like his skill set uh we like his his character his like his work ethic like all the things that you think you know and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't right and i i think in jordan Poole's case look they they they, they saw a guy who um you know had a, a certain uh, makeup and skill set that they thought could be useful but needed work they sent him to the g league a bunch of times and to, to jordan Poole's credit he is the one who decided i'm you know i'm gonna take every possible lesson i can get from Steph and Clay and Draymond, I'm going to bust my butt in the G League. I'm not going to take it as some kind of insult. And, and you know, it, the credit is mostly to the players in these cases, but some teams do a better job with development than others. And I think the Warriors, when you see what Jordan Poole is doing, when you see how Jonathan Kaminga has come along very quickly as a rookie, 
Um, you know, most Moody, not, not a factor in the playoffs, but had some nice moments during the season. I think the Warriors have done a pretty good job of late with their young prospects. Definitely. I'll, I'll wrap up with this thought that I've had for a long time about Steve Kerr specifically and the way he, I mean, his, Kerr and his staff uh, and the way they operate that I, I do think is really interesting. And I've always kind of wondered what the thought is around the league on this. So you're a great person to ask. But one thing that I've always appreciated about Kerr is that he plays during the regular season 12 to 15 guys like the, you know he'll he'll rotate that that 12 through 15 of who gets the night off and then that 12th guy on the bench will get 10 minutes in, in a regular season game so those guys stay sharp stay ready stay invested and come playoff time they if all of a sudden you get in one of these weird situations where someone gets hurt and and that next man up all of a sudden needs to play important minutes it's not the first time they played all year where you have a lot of other coaches that obviously stick to their rotation throughout the regular season. And Kerr, of course, has the luxury of Steph, Clay, Ma, uh, Steph, Clay Draymond, etc. So there, there's a high floor, and I understand that's part of the equation. But I, I feel like Popovich has done this at times th- through his rosters over the years as well. Is that something that you think as younger coaches and, and different ways of thinking under the league will see more of, more kind of, for to use a borrow a soccer term, squad rotation, and what impact do you think that has on player development? And and we can use the Warriors here as an example. Everything is so context dependent, right? Like in the case of the Warriors, you've got a very established veteran crew, and you know that you you've also got a bunch of really promising young players and they're in this rare position. I wrote about this earlier this season, the Warriors in this rare position to contend in the present and develop the next generation simultaneously with some high end talent because they had a couple of bad years and they had some high picks. And of course they made that D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins swap, which got them the extra pick that became Kaminga. And so they're just in this really interesting position. It is to, to Steve Kerr and his staff's credit that they gave the young guys as much, uh, room as they could to to get reps um, over the course of the season while still trying to win a lot of games and, and be high in the standings. But they have a little bit of a luxury of knowing that we don't need the top seed necessarily. We're the Warriors. We, we've won three championships. We've been to five straight finals. We've got the core of that team still here. So what we really need to do is take the long view, keep our veterans you know fresh or have them peaking at the right time. Of course, they had all these injuries this season. So, you know, best laid plans and all that. Mm-hmm. But they want to they want to make sure that they're not over, you know, doing it with the veterans and they do need to develop the youth because they're trying to extend out that rotation and, and have more guys they can rely on late in the season and into the playoffs. And so the Warriors had a unique opportunity to kind of do both. And then there's sometimes there are teams that have to go all out to win every regular season game because they think, you know what, we need home court advantage. You know, it's like even the Bucks this year, you look at what they did, different situation, but the Bucks weren't obsessed with winning every game. They were the defending champs. And so they were thinking about, you know, we know we can win a road game if we have to in the playoffs. We're just trying to calibrate ourselves to make sure we're fresh for the postseason. You know, and there was, you know, they didn't intentionally drop that far down in terms of win total. You know, Brooke Lopez's absence had something to do with that. And, and you know, but the Bucks were not necessarily going all out the same way they would have before. So I just, I think it's just, Depends on the team and the context of their season, who they've got. Um, but I, I do think the Warriors did a really nice job this year of, of kind of, you know, going down both roads simultaneously. Yeah, I think back, to the, I think it was like 2014, one of the, one of those Spurs heat years where Popovich also had no starter that averaged over 30 minutes a game. And you're just like, wow, that's 
that's got to be nice because if you're if you're a team that's fighting for the playoffs and you know you need your guys every single night to play 35 minutes or you're not making it, are, are you really going to try to take that luxury? But it, it's sure nice when you can get it. Howard Beck, uh, Sports Illustrated, the crossover podcast. Make sure you check that out anywhere you get your pods and read Howard's work in Sports Illustrated and online at SI.com. Howard, always great to chat, man. Uh, enjoy the playoffs, and, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure, Greg. Thank you. Howard Beck on the BetQL guest line. When we get back, let's dive back into the Draymond ejection because the NBA has done a lot of stuff that I think is smart over the years, but man, well, on this one, I think we have gone too far. That's next on The Fan. I am dumb enough to think that it would not even be a flagrant one that, you know, the the playoffs are a little tougher and not as soft as the regular season, you know, and that, um, <clears throat> you know, you can, you can bump a little more and you get away with a little more, you know, like I think tonight uh, was probably a reputation, a reputation thing more so than, um, a hard foul. By definition, if we go through the definition of a flagrant two foul, I'm not sure that that play would quite be the definition of a flagrant foul. I'm not sure it would meet that criteria. Draymond Green on his podcast, his own post-game press conference almost. Last night, after he got ejected, the Warriors do win game one against Memphis, 117-116. But as we've watched the NBA's officiating, uh, as we watched the NBA's officiating evolve, I guess, over the years, um, I think it's really mostly been good. And... I think that you have a lot of people that complain about, oh, well, in the 1980s, that would be, that, that would just be a common foul. And now it's a flagrant, like flagrant didn't even exist. And to those people, it's like, yeah. Um, remember when Michael Jordan, like got literally beat up out of the playoffs? Like, was that good? We saying that was a good thing. Like we praise those Piston teams, but like, that wasn't, that wasn't good. Um, when when uh, Kevin McHale clotheslined Kurt Rambis, like that wasn't that wasn't good. That's not basketball. That's that's just like toxic masculinity, violence, BS that just gets glorified and is is not remotely in the spirit of the sport of the game, nor of being like a decent human being. What Draymond Green did was fine. And it's garbage that it was called a flagrant two. And the fact that we've gone this far is problematic because at the end of the day, a defender needs to be able to do their job. Like, the whole point of updating and changing these rules is to get to the root of the spirit of the game. Basketball is a beautiful, flowing game where... There is contact. There is physicality. There is, again, in that physicality, a potential to be dominant with that physicality. Watching Shaquille O'Neal in its own way was beautiful. Watching Joel Embiid or watching Giannis Antetokounmpo in its own way is beautiful. In a different way than watching Steph Curry is beautiful and enjoyable. But 
at the end of the day, like if you push like if you if you try to draw the lines on the side of the street to 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 say like okay hey this is out of bounds or you know this is off the street you can't draw them too narrow and what happened with Draymond was absurdly too narrow there was no malicious intent there was i mean they said there was a wind up there wasn't a huge wind up the contact to the head was minimal the big he you know they thought they said on the court you know he tried to pull him down or like the follow through to the ground the follow through was to the ground was his hand got caught in his jersey and he realized that was an opportunity to make sure that brandon clark didn't hit his head and didn't fall violently he lowered him to the ground and i just there's a lot of stuff from protecting shooters and and what happened with Kawhi a couple years ago to you know obviously the implementation of the flagrant foul rule in the first place that is great and is progressive and and should be changed but at the end of the day you got to be able to play and also the on-court officials need to have some intelligence about perspective of where they are in the first half of a playoff game to call that a flagrant two nuts just not that's not good enough and i hope the nba rescinds uh rescinds this because it's just the that that's not sustainable for the league um you're gonna you're just you're not in i'm not gonna say it's like not sustainable and that the league's gonna fail because they got too soft but the, it is not the spirit of the game and players need to have the confidence to know that they can be aggressive they can defend they can protect the rim and even if they were to get a flagrant one because they they miss trying to play physical that they're not gonna get thrown out of a game for something as non-impactful as what Draymond Green did yesterday. All right, when we get back, uh, one of the one of the big news items of the day uh, in the NFL, the DeAndre Hopkins suspension, an update there is he has released a statement, and uh, we'll just kind of tidy up a few loose ends on the show. Craig Hoffman with you here on 106.7 The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
overtime on 106.7 The Fam. Uh, lots of stuff going on throughout the world of sports right now. Uh, game one, NBA Eastern Conference semifinals. Miami's up 100 to 85 on Philadelphia with less than two minutes to go. Uh, of course, Philadelphia is without Joel Embiid. They get a big time performance from Tobias Harris tonight, but not nearly enough. 27 points for Harris on 11 of 18 shooting, also has six rebounds in the game but james harden just 16 points nine rebounds five assists five turnovers uh tyrese maxi 19 points on six of 15 shooting it's two assists he's got two turnovers as well so rough uh rough game one for philly without Embiid. meanwhile for miami bam Adebayo's got 24 fully taking advantage of the fact that Embiid's not there and tyler hero a big night off the bench 25 points five assists Got, went four of six from three-point range. So uh, Miami goes up one to nothing in that series. Of course, the best of five, or they're sorry, the best of seven. Uh, Dallas and Phoenix have game one tonight, that game in Phoenix with Devin Booker back. Meanwhile, uh, let's get you some score updates from around Major League Baseball. Don't do this often, but hey, Got 15 or 10 minutes left in the show, five minutes really left in the show. Uh, and with the Nats off tonight, here is what else is going on around Major League Baseball. Then we'll have you that update for you on DeAndre Hopkins on the news of the day. Uh, Arizona up 5 4 on Florida in the bottom of the eighth. Twins up 2 1 on the Orioles. Yankees and Blue Jays tied at two top nine. Braves, Mets 3 2 top eight. Mariners, Astros, uh, Houston's up 1 nothing in the top of the sixth. Rays up one nothing uh, in Oakland on the bottom of the first finals tonight. St. Louis beats KC one nothing, and the White Sox beat the Angels three to nothing. Nats back in action tomorrow night as they open a series right here on one hundred six. Uh, actually, sorry, I believe tomorrow's game. Uh, yeah, tomorrow's Tuesday. Tomorrow's game will be over on the Team Nine Eighty as the Nats start their series against the Rockies. Of course, because you have the NHL playoffs going, including Game One tomorrow night. Panthers and Capitals tonight in the NHL. Uh, Carolina up 5-1. Actually, that's a final now. Just went final. 5-1. Carolina beats Boston in game one of their series. Uh, Toronto up 5-0 on Tampa in the middle of the third. St. Louis and Minnesota tied at nothing. That one just three minutes old. Uh, that game uh, on ESPNU to get started. Uh, the Tampa-Toronto game, I believe, uh, was super delayed. One of these games got super delayed. Um, so St. Louis and Minnesota, though, just getting started on time. 0-0, about four minutes into the game. L.A. and Edmonton also playing tonight over on ESPN2. Uh, biggest story of the day in the NFL, uh, which obviously shocking. Uh, you think everything would be draft adjacent, but DeAndre Hopkins gets a six-game suspension for violating the NFL's PED policy. Hopkins uh, put out a statement uh, just a few minutes ago. Pull that up real quick. Um, basically saying, see, the tweet says, see your week seven. Uh, the statement says, in my 10-year NFL career, I have never tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. To learn that my November test came back with trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. I'm very mindful of what I put in my body. And I've always taken a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. 
But even as careful as I have been, clearly I wasn't careful enough. For that, I apologize to Cardinals fans, my teammates, and the entire Cardinals organization. I never want to let my team down. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it. Um, Playing in the NFL is really hard, and the amount of maintenance you have to do on your body is immense um, in terms of not just the, the working out and all that kind of stuff, but the fueling that you have to have and the maintenance that you have to, to do to get the massages and the mobility work. And maybe you have a chiropractor, maybe you have a fit. You, you definitely should have a physical therapist and the dry needling and the cupping and all of these things that, that you do to just move the needle to the point that you can play each and every week in a 17 game season. That is absolutely grueling. Now, of course, over those 18 weeks, uh, and that's after a say six week training camp where you just beat your body up and there's definitely a long list of guys in the NFL that supplement that with illegal drugs of varying degrees from HGH to anabolic steroids to whatever it is, because at the end of the day, what those things do is they help you heal faster and they allow you to, again, do that the rest of that work. So it's not just that like the way steroids make you stronger is they don't just make you so that you can lift weights automatically. It's not like, it's not like Popeye eating spinach, right? It's not like you take your spinach and all of a sudden you go from being able to lift 400 pounds to be able to lift 550 pounds. That's not how that works. It's you get to do that over time because you are fresher more often, your workouts are better and the results are thus artificially inflated. You still have to do the work. And because science is so advanced now, there's definitely guys who are doing that stuff and know exactly how to time it so that they're never going to be or they're never going to have it in their system during a testing window. It's just unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, I mean, it's their health that they're playing these games with. And unfortunately, because these drugs are so frowned upon, there's not as much research as there should be on them. They make these decisions. But at the end of the day, they also know the consequences. And so whether DeAndre Hopkins is telling the truth or not, these things are happening far more than I think people know. And whether he screwed up a program that shouldn't have had it in his system during a testing window, or whether he is telling the truth and that whether it's a vitamin supplement or a protein or whatever that he took somehow had traces of these elements in him and it from either a bad batch, in which case that company's in a lot of trouble or from, uh, just, not being careful enough, these are the risks you run when you uh, take a beyond a simple approach. I do think it's kind of funny that it says holistic. That would mean completely all natural. But uh, at the end of the day, DeAndre Hopkins suspended six games as he tweeted out, see you week seven. Uh, Great job, Donald, running the board. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us. If you missed anything, rewind on the Odyssey app. I'm Craig Hoffman. That was Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.